The late first century Christians were suffering horribly, horribly, for their faith in Jesus Christ. Their homes were being taken away from them. Their crops were being taken. Sometimes even the clothes on their backs were taken from them. They were driven away from their villages, driven away from their homes by an oppressing nation who considered Christianity an illegal religion. They won't bow down and pay obsessing or bow down before the emperor. They won't give that pinch of incense to show that they recognize the emperor of Rome as their one of their gods. They engage in all kinds of horrible activities and immoral activities. They have to because they meet at night. And they drink blood. And they eat bodies. They're cannibals because of a misconception of the Lord's Supper. And they go out and try to convince others to become part of their group. Rome couldn't have that. You could do your religion, but you don't try to proselyte anyone else. And so those first century Christians were suffering horribly. And the Lord appears to John, the aged John, the apostle of love John, and tells him, write these things to the seven churches of Asia. I know what's going on. I know your works. And he gives John a picture of heaven. A vision of God sitting on his throne in a vision of the lamb who was slain for the world. Who in that vision, that lamb is shown to be worthy. To open up and enact this great plan of God. What a comfort. What a comfort that had to be to those first century Christians. What an encouragement that that had to be to those first century Christians. And I think about that congregation at Smyrna that that Jesus, he had John write to them, the devil's going to test you. He's going to try you. Troublesome times are coming. But be faithful unto death and I will give thee the crown of life you and I go through troubles in our lives sometimes they're troubles with our health sometimes they're troubles with our relationships sometimes it's troubles with our faith But Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have troubles. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And during those times of troubles, during those times of difficulties, during those times of darkness and despair, we wonder, 
Is God there? God, will you strengthen me? Will you empower me? Will you help me in some way? And the answer is yes. 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 This morning we're going to consider how does God empower us? How does God strengthen us? How does God encourage us? During our time of difficulty, our time of trouble, our time of despair, our time when our faith is weak, how does God help us through those times? And whoever asked that question and handed it to me, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because it gave me an opportunity to study and to think about something that I had not really thought about before. The word empower, its first definition as we use it today, literally means to authorize. How does God authorize us or empower us to do what we're supposed to do? And that's an easy answer. He tells us, authorizes us on what we're supposed to do as living in this world. He tells us, he gives us a statement or a command sometimes we use. In other words, he tells us. We, we open up the New Testament, we read there, and God's told Christians they're to supposedly to do, supposed to do something. Then we know that we're supposed to do that. God seeks those that worship him, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. So we understand that God wants us to worship him. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, anyone that forsakes the assembly, that were, were commanded not to forsake the assembly. And so God wants us to be get together, to gather together and worship. We understand that. When God tells us to do something, he empowers us, he gives us the authority to do it. But he also, he shows us. He shows us that we might, must do something because he gives us an example in the New Testament of here's faithful Christians that did that. And if I want to be a faithful Christian, then I must do the same thing that they did. Acts 20, verse 7, on the first day of the week, the disciples there in Troas came together to break bread and Paul preached to them. Well, we understand from the context that breaking bread suggests that they worshiped there on that first day of the week. And in part of that was to take the Lord's Supper just as we did. So God shows us. He shows us this is what they did. If you want to be pleasing to me like they were, therefore you follow the same example. Follow the, same example. the third way is that he infers it. And we have to understand that's a big thing among our brotherhood today, this idea of necessary inference. And you'll hear of a brother who'll say, well, we can't bind anything that is an inference that's implied. We just can't bind that on anyone. I want you to raise your hand if your name is in the Bible. Your name's not in the Bible. Put your hand down. Your name is not in the Bible. Well, Josh's is, <laughs> a longer name of it. And your name may be in the Bible because you're named after a Bible character. But nowhere in the Bible does it say, Bob Bauer, be baptized for the remission of your sins. Why do I say that? Because everything we do religiously, we do by implication. In other words, the Bible says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. It doesn't say Bob Bauer. 
It doesn't say Jim Hall. It may say Josh, <laughs> but, but it doesn't give our names. And we imply from that, if, I, if I'm part of anyone, of any believer, then I must be baptized. So everything we do, we do by implication. We apply it to ourselves. And so infer, or empowering means to authorize. God empowers us or authorizes us to do some other do things that are pleasing to him. Secondly, empower means to give uh, to give freedom or the confidence or the encouragement to do something. In other words, to empower is to encourage someone or to give someone the confidence to do something. The word empower is not used any time at all in the New King James. It's used uh, 16 times in the New English translation, two times in the New American Standard, and only once in the English Standard Version. Six of those times in the New English translation, it's clearly referring to some type of supernatural strengthening, something with the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit. However, in the New King James, there's a couple words that the NET, the New English translations, translate in power, or God powered someone to do something, uh, and the word is strengthen. And I'm going to share those verses with you. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 22, but Saul increased all the more in strength. It's talking about Saul of Tarsus, who we know as the Apostle Paul. The New English translation says, became more and more capable. And why I'm including these verses is because the verbs are passive. And a passive tense verb means that the subject is what is being acted upon. In other words... I ate breakfast. That would be an active verb because I was, the subject was doing the action. Emily fed the baby breakfast. Or the baby was fed by Emily. The baby was fed, the action is on the baby, so it would be passive. So when we read in these verses about strengthening, it's the other person, the subject is being strengthened by an outside force. So, but Paul increased all the more in strength or became more and more capable. Something was acting upon Paul, to, or Saul, to strengthen him. Romans chapter 4, verse 20. He did not favor at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened... In faith, giving glory to God. I believe the context here is Abraham. He was strengthened in faith. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong or be strengthened, as one translation says, in the Lord and in the power of his might. You're being strengthened. You're the, you are being acted upon. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 13, a verse that many of us are familiar with. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, Paul says, I'm the one being acted upon by Christ. He strengthens me. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me, Paul says. Enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. 
You, he's talking to Timothy, you therefore, my son, be strong, be strengthened, the ESV, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul's saying to Timothy, something is strengthening you in this grace. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And this was Paul talking about when he, in his first trial. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. In other words, Paul was being acted upon. And A.T. Robertson, in his word, uh, word pictures of the New Testament, says of these verses that this suggests some kind of empowerment by God. There also are passages which suggest God was or is working in the Christian. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. Notice, even though Paul says, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed. Again, that's a passive. The man is being renewed. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 16, speaking of the miraculous gifts. There are diversities of gift, but it is the same God who works all in all. And then in 1 Corinthians, I said 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6, and then in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, but the one and same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Of course, the context there is the miraculous gifts, but you see God working on this individual. And then in, uh, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 8, uh, speaking, for he worked effectively, in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Galatians. And so here was Paul saying that God worked on Peter as far as in his apostleship and worked effectively in Paul as well as his apostleship to the Gentiles. And so that working there concerned the apostleship. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21, uh, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now Paul's writing to the saints, the Christians at Ephesus, that, uh, that he would grant you to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. So here Paul is saying that God strengthened them some way in the inner man. He goes on down to uh, verse 21, I believe it is. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we asked or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations uh, forever and forever. Uh, that was Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Uh, Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So here Paul tells the Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, but that God is working in them both to will and to do his good pleasure. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 
For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectively works in you who believe. So here the word of God works in them. And I've got, I, I included these passages in the lesson because I want us to understand the Bible clearly were, were, uh, teaches that God strengthens us. He works in us. He empowers us, if you want to use that word. The question is how. The question is how. Well, one thing for certain, we know that God will not violate our free will, our free choice. In other words... He's not going to empower or strengthen us to do something that we do not choose to do. And here's why we know that. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And, and that phrase, good or bad, lays forth the thought that if God is going to reward me for the good that I do, but he's caused me to do that good, that, re that which is good, why would he re reward me for what he caused me to do? On the other side, if God's going to punish me for the evil that I do, but he's caused me to do that evil, then how can he in just and be just and in righteousness punish me for doing what is evil? So therefore, God's not going to violate our free will, our free choice. If we are to be judged according to our good or bad deeds, how could a just God reward us if he enabled us to do good or punish us if he caused us to do evil? So our free will, we have the choice to do whatever we choose to do. God's not going to violate that. Secondly, is God capable of encouraging me, strengthening me, or empowering me in a way that I am not aware of or without violating my free will? Most probably he is. He's God. He can do anything. But if I'm not aware of it, and he's not violating my free will, then how could I even say that God's doing it? It would be conjecture on my part. But is he capable? Of course he is. Of course he is. He's God. Which brings us to what I think are at least three ways in which God strengthens us, he empowers us, whatever that phrase uh, that you might want to use enables us. The first is that God encourages, strengthens, or empowers us, or the Christian, through his word. Psalm 119, verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction. Your word has given me life. In other words, the psalmist says, during my trials, your word has comforted me, has comforted me in my affliction. 
I remembered your judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. In other words, the psalmist saying, I remember your law. I remember what you've said, and it's given me comfort. Psalm 119, verse 52. For whatever things were written beforehand were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. It comforts us. It should comforts us. It should strengthen us. It should empower us when we see the, how God helped those uh, the Israel in the ancient times and how he strengthened them and comfort them in their times of trial and affliction. That God's going to comfort me and, and enable me and empower me in my uh, time of trial and affliction. In other words, those the scriptures give us that encouragement. It gives us that empowerment. It gives us that strength. God's word comforts and encourages me during times of trial. Psalm 119 verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. And then verse 11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against me. So how does God strengthen me, empower me, encourage me not to sin through the word of God? Thy word have I hidden in my heart, God, that I might not sin against you. When I'm driving down the road and I see a stop sign, what do I do? I slow down. Because the law of the land says if I blow through that stop sign or I go through that red light without stopping, there is a possibility that I'm going to have to pay a fine. A consequence to my behavior. Well, God's word teaches me that. That word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Psalm 119 verse 14. I praise you with uprightness of heart when I learned your righteous judgment. Psalm 119 verse 7. God's word provides hope and refreshes my soul. And so one way I believe in which God empowers us, strengthens us, encourages us is through his word. A second way in which I think God empowers us, strengthens us, and encourages us is through other Christians. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 15. In Acts chapter 15, the context here is that, that Paul and Silas had went to, Rome, or went to Jerusalem. And, and there was controversy between uh, or some, some doubt or, or between the, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. And, and, and the gent, some of the Jews were teaching to the Gentile Christians that they had to keep the law of Moses in addition to keeping the gospel. And so Paul and Silas went to, to Jerusalem. So uh, they, they were there with the apostles. They were there with the elders of the city. And obviously the Holy Spirit was there with them. And, and they hashed this out through, through God. And, and the gist of it was that the Gentiles did not have to keep. They didn't have to be circumcised. They didn't have to keep the law of Moses. But notice in, in verse 30 there, uh, <clears throat> and, so that in, and beginning in verse 24 or 23, they, they read this letter. They have a letter that they're going to send to the Gentile churches. And notice in verse 30, So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch, 
And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. And so when these brethren got together and hashed this out, they were able to encourage those Gentile brothers. And so there was an encouragement from them. In verse 32, Now Judas and Silas, themselves being prophets also, exhorted, encouraged, and strengthened the brethren with many words. And so sometimes you and I encourage, we empower, we strengthen one another through the words we say and the things we do. One of the reasons that we gather here every Lord's Day and supposedly every time the saints meet are to stir one another up to love and good works. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. In other words, when we gather together, we encourage one another, we empower one another, we strengthen one another. When I see someone like Sister Nancy come in, or Sister Libby, or Sister Dorothy, and they're coming in on their walker, and it's hard for them to walk, and it's, you can see that they're in pain as they're walking. And I think, well, you know, I, I was thinking about not coming today because my stomach was just a little off. How could I say that to them? How could I stay home and then come next Sunday and they say, we missed you, and I said, Oh, you know, I just had a little headache. Or I had a little runny nose or something. And here these sisters can barely walk in. And there's others in the same health situation as them. How could I say that to them? How could you say that to them? And so we encourage each other by being here. And being here during our times of difficulty and being here in, in the aches and pains that come with age and being here when, when maybe life's not being real kind to us, it's an encouragement. We strengthen one another. We empower one another. That if they can be here, I'll be there too. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul wrote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Here Paul clearly states that we comfort others in the same way that God has comforted us. And so when we share other people's pain and we share other people's sorrow and we share the hurt that they feel, God is using us to empower, to strengthen, and to encourage them. It's one of the ways that God empowers us through each other. And then lastly, at least lastly for the ones that we're discussing today, God can strengthen, empower, and comfort us through our own experiences. In Psalm 37, verse 25, David said, I have been young and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants 
begging bread. What's David saying? I look at my experiences in life, and God has always taken care of his people. When Paul was going through a trial, he begged the Lord three times to take it away from him. We read about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, and lest I should be exalted above measure in the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pled with the, pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect. It is made complete in weakness. Notice what Paul concluded. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in the infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, what did he say? I am strong. What was Paul saying? That he knew when trouble was on him, no matter how it was, whether it was his health, whether it was the circumstances that he was in, with relationships with people, that when he was at his lowest, God was at his strongest. We don't learn that overnight. We don't learn that when we're young. Most of us don't. But as time goes on and we're faithful to God, we know, we know as sure as the breath that we take in that God was with us and that he strengthened us and that he will strengthen us and he will comfort us no matter what we face. I've told you the story before, not this story, the account, because it's true. I lived it. Of our good brothers in Ghana, Godfried Frianco and Solomon Quenu. Years ago, when they were young guys, weren't married, single guys, 30 years ago, they were living together, sharing a room. Neither one of them had jobs. They were doing day labor as they could. And when I got to Ghana, Solomon told me, they said, one day we're in our room and we were praying because we hadn't eaten. We hadn't eaten for a couple days. And we were just praying that God would send something to us, for us, that some brother would come by and just give us something small so we could eat. As they were praying... They heard a knock on the door. And there was a brother from the Ashama congregation. He had letters for him. And those letters were from America. And in each one of those letters was a $50 bill. I had sent that a month earlier. Didn't know they were in need just had some extra money and I knew that they could use it 
and I sent that. You'll never convince me that God doesn't comfort us. He doesn't strengthen us, and he doesn't empower us in our time of need. Because I've lived it. I've lived it. I believe we can know for certain that God strengthens Christians. He strengthens us through his word. He strengthens us through others. And he strengthens us through our own experiences. That's one of the blessings that you and I have as being the children of God. If you're not a children of God, child of God, I hate to say this, but there's no blessings for you. All spiritual blessings in God, in the heavenly places, are in Christ Jesus. And the scriptures tell us the only way that we are going to clothe ourselves through Christ is through baptism, being immersed in water. God, in his infinite wisdom, has chosen that point to say, your sins are washed away. They are no more. I will remember them no more. I'm not going to hold you accountable for those anymore. He's chosen baptism. But it's not just getting dunked under water. Because we don't bury live people. We bury dead people. And God understands that. And so a dead person is one who has come to faith in Christ. And because they've realized that Christ is the son of the living God, they have decided, I am not going to be that old person I was anymore. I am going to put that person to death, and I am going to live for Christ from now on. That's repentance. I put that old guy to death. Then and only then can we confess Christ. And then and only then can we be immersed for the remission of our sins. If you need that this morning, we'd like to help. And if you're walking around one foot alive and the other foot dead, because you truly haven't given yourself to God. Pull that foot out of that muck and mire. Pull that foot out of that sin and degradation. Bring it over to Christ. Ask his forgiveness. And he will forgive. If we can help in any way, won't you come as we sing this song of encouragement? <laughs>